For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to a rather odd flashback to the 1990s here on Jaybird Watching. I am accompanied by the wonderful new, uh, I'm going to say, triumphant trio of Jaybird Watching, you know, guys here, as I'm joined by my new co-hosts, the whole group once again this week, Adam Corsair and Brendan Panikar. Fellas, how are you doing? How are you holding up? I'm alive. Good, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it, Adam. <laughs> alive. I am alive. Yeah. Too alive. Alive with a beer in hand, at least for this Friday evening drinking session that we got going on here on the show. You know what? You know what? Look. Or do I need to give you a, a pause to go get something? No, 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 no. It's, it's a relaxing on. day. It's a relaxing day. My my wife was like, yo, fetch me two boxes of wine. And I was like, all right. So I was like, I'm just going to have a glass of wine. See what happens. So I'm just oh, showing nice. on wine right now. Pinky yeah. Red or classy, man. Yeah, classy I'm keeping it classy. It's it's a red blend. I don't know what it is. I don't know what brand. Just tastes like juice. So I'm drinking some juice. It's, uh, it's red. That's what matters. It's it is red. red. It's good. Wine. It's good to go. Yes, it. Yeah, there you go. So, just to say that goof around here, I'm doing repeating what we did with during our fantasy baseball draft over the past weekend here, and I have a, about three inches of Jameson and a few rocks of ice. There you go. <laughs> Ooh, awesome. So, I'm I'm in a mood. Let's just say. So, but fellas, joining us again tonight, and we'll say future champion because we're going to talk about what the heck happened here soon. Michael Paul of the Radio Scouts podcast. How are we doing, Mike? Oh, I'm doing great. How about you, Craig? Doing good. We're glad to have you on the show, even if it is for gloating reasons. Eventually. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, currently, uh, you know, I'm drinking my celebration beer, which is a Collective Arts IPA number twelve. And for the Calgary Ooh. listeners, right? That's a local for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, but yes, once like it's the Friday drinking show, guys. So. You know, let it all out, vent, you know, we'll get back to our eventual workouts later and make sure you just eat your bananas and make sure that monkeys never cramp like Murinari Kawasaki always says. <laughs> and listen, listen, I'm just going to throw this out there. Don't drink bleach. Anyways, go ahead. That's right. Yeah. And, and don't, don't inject Lysol or whatever. No. It's really uh, a bad drug either. Either. Yeah. Yes. Regardless <laughs> if that's what the president says here in the States. Just, I don't even call him president, to be completely honest. Whenever people refer to him as President Trump, I'm like, why? Just call him Trump. Like, he's not president. Trump. Come on. To me, he's always going to be number two. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As shit. Sorry. Just had to point it out there in case somebody was not catching my subtle sarcasm. <laughs> we got it. Oh, yeah. I just noticed this, fellas. We actually have a two and two going on here. We got two Stadies and two Canadians on the show tonight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Very even. Take, take, Very take, even. Take, up and on and evening out the Canadian ratio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to do it. <laughs> yeah, we got the South of the Sixers down here and then the, you know, the, <laughs> the borders, eh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so it'll be good as always, fellas. But why don't we start off with the wonderful Brendan Panikar and telling us what the heck is going on in Blue Jay Madness bracket? How's it going, man? Oh, yeah. I, I think people are probably getting sick of me constantly retweeting and basically telling everybody to vote or else, uh, yeah, I can see everybody. I know everybody can see it, so you might as well just vote because I'm going to keep on telling you. As long as you don't go do full so. P. Diddy from that South Park episode where it's full-on voter guy, <laughs> bitch, and he's chasing yeah. kids around with a shotgun, basically. <laughs> no, no, we're not going we're not going to threaten life or death. So no, that's, uh, <laughs> there's enough going on in the world right now. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, there's, I think I would say a lot of results I think we kind of predicted the last time we recorded, don't you think? Like, I know, Adam, you called uh, the Boba Shett russell Martin matchup of being potentially an upset there, and it, it sure did. Boba oh, Shett yeah. went by Russell-Martin 54.7 to 43 or 45.3%. So that was an upset, and the 11 seed Boba Shett continues yeah. on, even though he's only been a part of the team for two months of the decade. <laughs> Michael they and I the were... Hair. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing my own imitation if you guys didn't see that terrible picture. I saw. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> so... But Michael and I were talking about this before the show. How much do you think his MLB The Show rep currently right now is carrying his game? Last night he was wearing the Angry Bird jerseys in his MLB The Show matchup. <laughs> I can't hate. I like it. Like, you know, I, I, we, we touched on this on last episode. Like I understand that it's not necessarily my cup of tea. I don't really care for watching esports, but I do uh, appreciate the the enthusiasm, and I do appreciate him being the rep for the Blue Jays right now in this endeavor, so I think it's cool. I think it's keeping interest, and I'm sure this had at least something to do with him uh, taking it over Russell Martin, so whatever. Future's bright. I love it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Adam. I mean, he's a very personable fellow. Uh, he He's just, he's very, he's like, he's, he's endeared himself to Canada, so I mean, it's not, in a lot of ways, it's not surprising. But you can't overlook what Russell Martin did as a J. I mean, it was it was for sure awesome. Yeah, maybe we didn't get all the Montreal votes in. <laughs> yeah, I think we're la- we're lacking in the Quebec market. I think. <laughs> Just wait until he's the manager of the Blue Jays in a couple of years. It'll be it'll flip right yeah, back. That's right. Or the or the or the Expos, like you said on the that's last true. episode. Yeah. That's the one. For a few years down the road, that will be what uh, gets them back up there. But yeah, yeah I mean, that, that one we kind of called, and I think the other one. I, I was a little bit surprised, guys, with the results of the Smoke Tulo one because Smoke won quite handily, going up sixty-seven point four percent to thirty-two point six for Tulo. I thought it'd be much closer, maybe even closer to like 45, 55 or something like that. It was uh, a little bit more of a landslide for Justin Smokey than I thought. It's yeah. the exit. It was the exit, dude. Like, it was the comments at the exit, and Justin Smoke was a trooper through the, throughout the whole tenure. So It was classy. Yes. yes. Classy tenure. Yeah, there was no middle fingers or whatever shouting in a spring training game for Justin Smoke. <laughs> Bro, Strowman <laughs> throws him a meatball in spring training, and Tulo hits a home run, and he thinks this is some sort of fucking redemption towards the Blue. It's spring training. Set <laughs> in the World Series, guy. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I think I could have hit that meatball. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 I definitely think that probably played a factor there, Adam, for sure. This wasn't the greatest end to his tenure. Plus, just the way his tenure ended with that ankle roll with CJ Crone over a first base. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I don't think any of us thought that that's how Tulo's career was basically going to end. Like, yeah. that was basically the last we saw Tulo before he got injured two games into his Yankees tenure. <laughs> Which yeah, I right. believe every one of our guests called. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, 
But yeah. But yeah, the other the other ones went pretty pretty swimmingly just as we saw. I mean Donaldson basically almost swept the floor with Adam Lynn, ninety five point two to four point eight. That wasn't a surprise at all. And then Edwin seventy thirty on Vlad, which Adam again, you're, you called that. It was a little bit closer than I think. I think I was expecting a little more, maybe closer to eighty twenty for Edwin because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he it was the second best for the last decade behind Jose, at least offensively. Maybe Josh Donaldson's in there too, obviously for the discussion. But yeah, I mean, on the offensive side uh, and the infielders bracket, I think it went pretty according to plan. Were there any yeah. surprises you guys saw on the which side of the bracket were you on in the top left, the starter side? I think it was pretty. Pretty status quo there too, no? Yeah, that yeah. one seemed to go pretty, just almost atypical. Where I thought, surprisingly, that you know Strowman and Sanchez weren't a little bit more even though. That one was I like, that- a little sided, right? <laughs> Everybody loves Strowman, dude. They love them. He got ta- he got Toronto ch- tattooed on his chest. Like people are gonna <laughs> side with that. Yeah. Well, there, yeah, but there was for just as many people that loved the swagger of Marcus Strowman. It felt like there was always those few Blue Jays fans that loved to hate him. Yeah, you know, 25%. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying, I guess it fell into market quo, huh? <laughs> but looking at the rest of these, though, I'm not terribly surprised that David Price edges out Ricky Romero. The Jay right. Happ, Mark Burley one, though, had me on the fast. As much close. as I love both of yeah. them, that one was right down the strip. Yeah, I called Burley on that. I got that one wrong. Yeah, yeah. the 56 Point three to forty three point eight on Hab and Burley, fifty eight point six, forty one point four for Price and Romero. Estrada wiped the floor with Brandon Morrow, eighty seven point five to twelve point five, and then yeah, seventy five twenty five for Stroman and Sam. A bit surprising though, isn't it? Estrada and Morrow? No. I thought no. I thought that'd be a little bit closer because yeah. people did love Brandon Morrow when he was here. Everybody was just like, Man, this guy could just stay fucking healthy for a change. Wow. Could be that number two right behind Ricky. That 17K one hitter was pretty pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. He always had that kind of upside too, but yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean that's pretty much the bracket update. As of now, I can give you guys a little bit of an insight as to how the outfielder side is going uh, before we move on to the next topic of conversation. Right now, recently released, Kevin Pillar has a 90.9 to 9.1 lead over Michael Saunders. Uh, Probably our closest one that we've had yet, Melky Cabrera and Colby Rasmus. Melky's leading 51.6 to 48.4. And then wow. Jose. Yeah, that one's very close. Very, Milk very man. close. And Melky, Mel, Melkman's in the lead. And then Jose, 90, 91% to 9%, which generated a little bit of fun commentary in the mentions. <laughs> I think that yeah. shows you how polarizing the Colby Rasmus experiment was. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised the Pilar thing is as like much of a runaway as it is because, like, I, look, I don't want to get hung up on you know old issues. People learn, people move on. I'm not trying to dismiss it. I'm not trying to minimize it. But still, like that that you know slur that he shouted out, people that resonated with a lot of people that really stuck with them. And Michael Saunders, you know, he, I mean, this guy was loved when, during his tenure. He wasn't amazingly productive, but he was like at least one of those kind of Blue Jays that you can be like, oh, yeah, I remember that time. Like, did, he got voted in as an All-Star, didn't he? He did that. Well, he was reserve? He, a, he was the... Was he a final vote? I think was he, he was reserved? The, yeah. I think he was the final vote or he got voted in because he just, you know, whoever got hurt after the final vote. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Right. Th- there's some Blue Jays lore attached to him. Kevin Pilar, I don't, was he ever an All-Star? I don't think he was. No. Yeah, no. So, like... So. 
Yeah, that's all you need to know. For me, I would have picked Saunders. I think I did when I voted for this. I'm not surprised because Kevin Pillar, like, recency bias is there. But uh, otherwise, like, Cabrera over Rasmus, that's close. That's really that, close. That one will be interesting. I'm going to make sure I pump the tires on that and get some more people voting. We have 31 votes so far with 17 hours left. So do your part. Retweet it. Get everybody do that right now. Who, who did each you guys vote for? What's that? Who did each of you guys vote for? I voted for Cabrera. I did too. I voted Melky. I voted Kevin Pillar and obviously Jose. And then the next one, uh, just the, the next matchup that I'll probably release shortly is Rajay Davis against Vernon Wells. Rajay oh. 10 seed and Vernon Wells 2. Yeah. I also voted for Melky. So is that a unanimous out of the four of us for Melky Cabrera over <laughs> Colby Rasmus? It's it's not. I voted Colby Rasmus. <laughs> <Ooh>. Yeah. <laughs> You love the swing. You, we were talking about this before the yeah. show. Well, there was something yeah. pretty about it. <laughs> Which swing, though? He had like four different no. stances during his He did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> the home run swing. The glorious home run. <laughs> <laughs> the good one. Yeah. When he made contact and that ball left the yard, it went far, and that oh. swing was pretty Still when it actually worked letters. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, too funny. So. Anyway, Brendan, is there anything you would like to bookend this conversation on the wonderful, you know, bracket that you have been moderating for us? Well, we'll get the relievers going probably tomorrow, so we should have the Sweet 16 set ready to go by Monday uh, with a few guys already there, as we just covered. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I, I don't think there's any surprises on my end. Maybe the fact that Bichette beat Martin, that's definitely up for debate amongst the rest of Blue Jays' Twitter. But uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think it's gone pretty according to plan. It'll be interesting to see when you get matchups like David Price and Jay Happ will be the next one in the Sweet 16. And you got Estrada against Marcus Stroman. It'll be interesting who goes on to the Elite Eight there. But uh, it's been fun. I'm glad that uh, Nick Kowalski, shout out to him for doing that up, uh, the bracket for us. Uh, He came up with the idea for the CFL, the Canadian Football League, and he did that and like, that is a good idea. Let's do a Blue Jays theme. So let's run with it. It's beautiful. <laughs> and, I love it. Guys, if I can just quickly interject and just say that I, I love this idea. I think it's it's fantastic. I mean, we, we need something like this right now. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks. It's uh, it's a good way to stay distracted and look back on how terrible the Blue Jays outfield has been in the 2010. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a problem area for so long. Oh, uh, left Fred field. Lewis the amount of left field guys. Yes, he did. He wasn't even, and he wasn't the, the amount, bottom one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. The amount of left fielders that have just gone through and through and through. There's never been a steady left fielder in the 2010s at any point other than Melky for two Chris years. How did Chris Colabello not make this list with Eric Thames makes it a 16? I was just so, thinking, I, it just I, popped I, into yeah. my head. Is it because he makes more that first was, base appearances than outfield to get his war? Yeah, yeah. I, I think everybody <laughs> remembers the Colabello tenure as a first baseman, so I could cut him out of there. The only other one who almost made it in was Danny Valencia because he played a bunch of left field as well. But uh, yeah, uh, it was just Danny Valencia. <laughs> so, go ahead. I'm just really glad that Ryan Goins ever made this this list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was not on it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if we take this back another decade because, you know, this COVID thing keeps going. <laughs> and we how many Johnny McDonald's we have in the infield. Right. Murinori Kawasaki's. Listen to me, Johnny maybe, Mac. Maybe half, maybe half a season of Royce Clayton will make the bracket. Ooh. Well, okay, I'll give you that because Alex Gonzalez made this bracket, right? He did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he yeah, did. 2010. 
Johnny Mac is my binky. All right, so no, no disparaging the name. <laughs> I Johnny can't say Mac. much. I love Moronori Kawasaki too. It's hey, just because hey. I think the best podcast to ever not happen is still Mark DeRosa and Moronori Kawasaki, and I still think they should call it. I think I'm turning Japanese. Yeah, but it was a post game interview, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I make a full call time it, out I, of it. Yeah, just call the podcast. I can't top that because then he just walked away. Um, yo, real quick, I, I don't know if anybody you saw anybody saw this. This is sort of on the same line the Blue Jays outfielders. Um, did you guys see the CBS article that says that the Red Sox outfield is still better than the Blue Jays today, right even now. without Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts? Wow. No. Yeah. I did. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's it's on CBS Sports. They're saying that the Red Sox outfield is still better than the Blue Jays without Mookie Betts. So I thought we did this when we did the roster – no, I'll call it roster baiting at this point because the season never happened. Right. <laughs> so I think this is where we actually, in that show, fellas, don't correct me if I'm wrong, I think we did give the point to the Red Sox post-Mookie Betts with that. Was this before I or think, after Pilar? I think it was, uh, before. I think it was before. Yeah, yeah, I feel like if Pilar's there, they got worse. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I guess we know where you voted on this thing. Yeah, I mean, like, come Captain on. Like, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Benintendi, but I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. has not been a bust, but he hasn't he, been like a world beater. Like, what are we talking basically about? Basically, Pilar. Yeah, like, and, yeah, and Pilar's exactly. the backup outfielder for all three positions. You know, he's bound. I, I don't know. I, I just can't take that article seriously. And CBS Sports is kind of reputable too. So, um, that one hit yeah, little, I just I yeah. can't get there. <laughs> that one took took a little to the chest on that one. Huh? A little bit. Yeah. No, I can see why. Because, <laughs> but I think that speaks to how bad both outfields are. Personally, yeah. not yeah. that ours is better or worse. <laughs> Adam, did they call out anybody in particular in that outfield? Because like it, it would remain to be seen who was Derek Fisher. Be, I mean, yes, <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> Fisher was highlighted. They don't really believe in Greychuk. Um, I don't know how you could say anything bad about Gurriel. I really don't. But right. otherwise, it's kind of I, – I, I understand the the rationale about the Blue Jays outfield not being spectacular, and it's not. Like, that's, that's not even a hot take. But to say that maybe it's a slight advantage by the Red Sox, if anything, but it's oh, yeah. not yeah. it's not above and beyond. I guess this raises a fun question. Where do you guys see Lourdes Gurriel? Because in all reality, he is the cornerstone of our outfield as far as potential goes, right? Yes. Do you see him yeah. as one of the up-and-coming talents in the outfield period? Or is this somebody that's going to level out like Randall Gritchick has and hasn't shown us that next step? Me, personally, I think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. might be one of the best players we have on this team. Yes. Yes. I'll go around the table. Michael, you're our guest. <laughs> I agree with you, Craig, and, and Adam, at least, because I haven't heard what you said yet, Brennan. But I, uh, I, <laughs> Gurriel is um, he's a very free swinger, I guess, but he's um, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, even, you know, for 2020, Steamer did have him projected for a 103 WRC+, plus, which is an above-average hitter, and that's despite the – uh, you know his free swinging tendencies so i mean i think that there's a lot there to like his hit tool is um when he connects i mean oh man it's it's pretty but uh i think he he seemed like he really he really stuck in in uh the outfield last last year like he just looked pretty good and um he's only getting I, better well i think he could get better that is the thing like he's got mad power like he's got crazy power we know that so 
I don't know. I think there's a like a three war upside potentially right there. Three and a half war. Either. Yeah. Brandon, I, your turn. I see that too. No, I see that. I absolutely see that for sure. I need to see it for another year, obviously, because yeah. it's short with injury. But what we did saw last year is a good preview into what he could be for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if you go through and you just compare with the Red Sox outfield. I got their depth chart up now. A uh, full year of Gurriel, if he kind of matched the projections and play out what he did last year over full season, there could be an argument that if you ranked everybody and just put them in order from the Red Sox and Blue Jays outfield, that Lourdes might be upwards at the top, depending on where you have Alex Verdugo and Andrew Benintendi. So I think Gurriel could, at the end of a full season, be the top outfielder if you combine both Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Uh, outfields together so no I'm, I'm in full stuff. agreement I could see three maybe even four depending on yeah. how he goes defensively out there yeah so fellas is it time to flash back and talk about let's what do we it. did this last week let's do it <laughs> alright so I want to take you I'm back in. to a simpler time in baseball when you know we actually had baseball <laughs> so aww, aww. <laughs> flashing back to the 1990s an era of weird Nicktoons, steroids and baseball, grunge music, all sorts of fun things going on. And Blue Jays were perennial champions to start the decade off. And fellas, just before we dive into what we just did with this weird fantasy baseball draft from the decade that we did, I'm going to go around the table and I just want to see random fun things from the 90s. And I'm going to start with the youngest guy with Mr. Panikar because I'm sure you have some fond memories of growing <laughs> up in the 90s being that younger than the rest of us. But I figure there's some weird things that might stick out to you a little different than the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, not really. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> not the Rugrats I mean, like, on I would, Nickelodeon or I, something? <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with the Rugrats or uh, Nickelodeon or whatever, or whatever cartoon network or whatever shows that you got going on there. But I mean, well, I was in grade one in 1999. So that's, uh, it wasn't very old. Uh, well, this is why I want to get something fun out of it. Was I going to say, were you going to say my little pony or. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll go with, I attended my first sporting event in 1998 uh, or 97. I don't know, <laughs> but not, oh. nothing really. I mean, I got into friends a little bit towards the end of the decade there. I think that was pretty big in the nineties for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's I okay, Survivor, we'll, we're gonna all be here for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thanks guys. I need that. You guys are gonna bring me back into the '90s a little bit, but no, I mean, I'll be honest. I really wasn't into baseball in the '90s at all. I only became a fan of, towards the end of 2004 um, with the uh, the Angry Birds there, and really loved the O Dog. But uh, just in terms of '90s, it was a lot of hockey for me back then. Growing up, obviously in Canada, being a hockey fan and whatnot, so. That's where my sports focus was, at least there in the CFL and a little bit in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, nothing really stands up, to be completely honest. I mean, I remember when it turned to 2000. Favorite, favorite, <laughs> player, big deal. favorite player in your younger <laughs> adolescent years. <laughs> Whatever oh, sport. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Clemens with the Argos um, back then. Yes. Uh, I'm, I, yeah, pinball, obviously, still oh, yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I mean, the first Super Bowl I remember watching was the Packers and the and the Broncos with Elway towards the end of his career. So uh, I guess I I kind of liked Green Bay and cheer for them in that Super Bowl because I'm like, yeah, green, my favorite color. So go Green Bay, <laughs> Brett even Favre. though I really didn't. Well, like, yeah, Brett Favre, yeah, Avery. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
no, it's uh, it, it was good to go back and do some research and see some of these absolutely insane numbers that we're going to probably cover in a little bit. Oh yeah, we're we're going to dive into our rosters and uh, do a little self shameless self promoting of our baseball prowess here, each of us. But unfortunately, the next gentleman I'm going to let talk '90s, whatever, pop culture, anything here, Mike. Paul, how we what what was your favorite player in the nineties? What was some of the things you had going on or what you know, just think about it. <laughs> Give us something well, funny, silly from the nineties that you remember. So I, I was a huge Blue Jays fan, but I also was a big fan of the Astros back in the early nineties with like the Bagwell and Biggio days. The Burke. And Jeff yeah, Berkman, um, you know, uh the real killer bees. Fuck the red. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, my favorite player growing up was Jeff Bagwell. Uh, probably did roids, but uh, <laughs> you know, who didn't? His dance was like definitely very unique, very original. And I mean, that guy had some absolutely killer years. Uh, I did draft him in our in our fantasy thingy, but uh, you know, it, it was he was just really fun to watch. And I mean, favorite Blue Jay ever, or at least in the '90s, I should say, was. Um, John Olerud, love John Olerud. Uh Dude could hit like nobody. <laughs> um, and Paul Molitor was really good, as, of course, as well. So, I mean, I, there were so many guys there on the Jays that were in the early 90s that were so good. But uh, I think my favorite thing that stands out with the 90s, like I was huge into hockey, just like Brendan. Um, you know, like grew up in Canada. I was didn't really get into baseball like big time until – probably i don't even like early 2000s i'd say so it's been about you know 15 maybe like 17 years or so but for me it was hockey mostly and i was a big penguins fan um so marilyn mew that was awesome um yager those days were great uh, but uh if we're talking like music or something like that like i love nirvana so Adam, your turn. Talk talk them '90s for me. What was your favorite things going on, players and whatnot? Well, uh, you know, seeing as though, I, like I've told you guys many times, my my fanhood of being a Blue Jays fan is, was you know started off pretty arbitrary. Um, it was mostly my dad grew. I live in New England, Mike. So like when when I was growing up, my dad said, uh, "Pick a team, stick with them. Just don't pick the Red Sox because this is an anti-Red Sox household." Um, and I said, okay, uh, I'll pick that team, which was in the World Series. It was the Blue Jays. And he said, okay, just don't ever abandon that team. So, you know, my my exposure to the Blue Jays was limited. It's not like I could just toss on the TV and watch them anytime I want. So, like most kids in this, you know, part of the country, I was a huge Griffey fan. Like, how could you not love the kid? How could you not? As as a adolescent, I'm 34 right now. So as like a young adolescent boy, like how do you not completely gravitate towards the the backwards hat and the kid and just that probably the most beautiful swing I've ever seen in my life, and just the 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 raw natural talent of Ken Griffey Jr. Like I was just in amazement by him and. So, like, my favorite player growing up as a child was Griffey, and, you know, when it comes to music, I actually watched a couple of YouTube videos today, like, recapping old Nickelodeon shows. It was, like, Pete and Pete, Salute Your Shorts. There you uh, go. Yeah, <laughs> dude, like, I downloaded... Is it that? bad if I still remember the theme songs? 
That's what I was just about to say. I downloaded the Polaris album with the Pete and Pete theme song. And, dude, the sickest guitar solo. Like, I shit you not. It's like, if you're not familiar with the Pete and Pete theme song, download Hey Sandy by Polaris. I swear to God, it's one of the most beautiful guitar solos I've ever heard in my life. But still. A real face melter. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a complete face melter. And, like, everything about, like, these 90s shows, like, completely captivated and pretty much expressed what it was like to be a kid in the 90s. Like, I don't know that any other generation in terms of television shows really captured the essence of what it was like for being a kid growing up in the 90s with these, like, obscure daydreams and whatnot. And there was no internet, right? There was no text right. messaging. In order to, to pass to get a message across, you had to pass a note to three other people to get to your destination. Now you can just text. I sound like an old man yelling at clouds for sure, but still, like... <laughs> It made me appreciate, yeah, it made me appreciate the old school aspect. And, man, I love the 90s. I'm proud to be a 90s kid for sure. Yeah. Instantly, Agreed. I remember baseball and music growing up in the 90s. Yeah. And being just old enough like you, Adam, and I'm 35. So knowing that the Blue Jays were basically the shit in the late 80s, early 90s, mm -hmm. cemented my baseball them and uh, my fandom of baseball. But... Ken Griffey Jr., you hit the nail on the head. Coolest guy to watch in baseball. But there were a few other guys that at least that I got to watch enough that I was very enthralled with, and that was watching Tony Gwynn and Kirby Puckett play baseball. And those two guys, outside of being able to occasionally, like you, even I, the only time I got to see the Blue Jays is if they were playing on Monday Night Baseball or on Saturday Night Baseball. Mm. It was the national game. You know, you it's not like these days now where everything is so easy to get, you know, especially if you have something like, you know, the Sportsnet feed on your phone or having MLB.TV or something. God, I can watch freaking minor league baseball games without right. having to go to the, the stadium anymore. <laughs> you know, it's just how it is. But it's, at that time, the Twins were on TV, and so were the San Diego Padres because those teams were remarkable at the time, and Tony Gwynn was more or less one of the faces of baseball, just like Kirby Puckett and Ken Griffey Jr. and some of the other guys that we're going to get to talking to on this thing. But growing up in that era, the other thing was music, and that was you know Nirvana, Foo Fighters, Green Day, Stone Temple Pilots, some of these bands, like you were saying, that, that Pete and Pete thing, that's exactly yeah. 90s music. Perfect, oh, right yeah. there, 100%. Oh, yeah. Get an oasis on me. <laughs> yes. Our Lady Peace for you Canadians up there. Come on now. Hey, hey Our Lady Peace is great. <laughs> yeah. It's no star seed. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was good stuff. And um, I cemented baseball. I was uh, playing baseball growing up, and then I played drums. So those are the two things that got me going and more or less my regular everyday stuff to get out of my house and rounded up the kids in the neighborhood and the school, you know, and uh, go, hey, you know, 20 minutes, we're meeting at the, you know, the sandlot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So, good stuff. But, fellas, what the reason we are talking 90s, this whole idea came out of a random conversation with my brother and my father, who we included in this fantasy baseball draft of the 1990s decade. It's funny enough, because this is not something I could find on the internet, fellas. I had to basically revert to my young childhood self and gather statistics on Excel. And the only thing that was a nice <laughs> perk was I wasn't riding around on my bicycle handing out sheets every week. I had to use the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the nice perk out of this whole thing. But, fellas, 
This was, we got a group of people together. We'll go through the, you know, wonderful contestants in this thing as well. And we'll talk about where we ranked and how well we did and who we got. All that kind of stuff here in a minute. But let's lay out the ground rules for the listeners here first. This was straight fantasy baseball. No weak head-to-head nonsense. We did it all based on season stats. So it's not like I was diving through old baseball weeklies. I went on baseballreference.com and pulled a season worth of stats for a major league baseball player. So the idea is we had every day starting nine plus DH, five starting pitchers, and three closers. So that team of 17 players, I ran through way too much math and was able to pull the normal everyday fantasy baseball stats from with batting average, runs, home runs, RBIs, steals, wins, saves, strikeouts, ERA, and whoop. (laughs) (laughs) So, but the idea was we could draft any player from the 1990s, but when you drafted that player, not only did you draft that player and he was off the board, but you had to specify a year, fellas. And that was where I think we all got to have some fun with this thing and really dive into our statistic notebooks here and figure out who we could pull for certain years to be able to fill in these stats at these positions. And, fellas, there's some names on this draft board that I hadn't heard in years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So it was very, very fun to see. And like we were talking about before the show, Brendan did very well at this whole thing, regardless of that whole pre-90s talk thing he was just talking about there. So he's got something grunge growing in him, apparently, at least for baseball. (laughs) But so, fellas, this was literally a brainchild of you know my fandom here but i loved sharing this with you guys and i think this ended up being really really fun and like i said these drafts and these teams there's hall of famers all-stars guys that i have had one hit wonder seasons on this list and it was very fun for us to do and i'm glad we were able to do this oh for sure for sure i think it was a great idea i'm glad we did it because you're right when you know i was sort of like juggling everything and I, I was doing this on my phone so like looking up these players and looking up the uh the stats and whatnot in those years i was thinking to myself man like these like you said craig like names i haven't even thought of in a very long time and i'm just like looking at the the plethora of talent on everyone's team i'm just thinking to myself man this was such a good decade it really was and you know, I don't know if you guys think this is ironic or not, or maybe it's like, you know, par for the course. But from what I'm seeing, there's only one player drafted in 1994 on here. Just one. Which is surprising because there was a few guys that were pushing records in 1994, yes. even in that series. Matt Williams, guys, was one of the best hitters in baseball that year. And everybody was wondering if he was going to break the 61 home run total that year. Yeah, yeah. Ton of 99, no, just 194. And obviously because of the strike, it went up, but still. Just 194. It's crazy. And I believe that 94 was a pitcher. Yeah, that's kind of why I stride away from 94. Because you mentioned Matt Williams, Craig, and before your dad took him right in front of me, uh, (laughs) I entered Matt Williams, and I was was debating between 94, or I think his other big year was with the Indians in 98 or 99, um, after looking it up. So, yeah, I was was very close to selecting him his 94 season because it was quite incredible. Yeah, 99 was the year that he ended up getting selected. Now, that wasn't the pick that because we, we did this all on Excel, on a Google Sheet, everybody, just so you could, you know, we could all be on the same document adding our picks because we were not obviously in a room together. Um, 
I think that was he the pick that yeah, I was I literally deleted your pick and then wrote into it and said sorry too bad so sad or whatever yeah <laughs> he's taken already yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly the pick <laughs> <laughs> so good stuff but um Mike you ended up doing very well in this whole thing is you ended up being crowned the victor a day later after we did this on Sunday. This Monday is when I posted the results to the, you know, after my fun of pulling information from baseball reference, but does it feel good to be the king? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I can't stress that enough. That was, that was a blast and uh, I'd love to do something like that again. Um, you know, so let, Let's just let's do the double O's next. Yeah, well, we'll have to figure that one out shortly. But, fellas, I just want to walk through. Um, I want to go into to- each of us talking about the teams that we ended up drafting, but I just want to go through the first, you know, 12 picks here and just shatter everybody's brains because <laughs> this is just <laughs> – there's – I don't think there's anybody in these first in the first two rounds here that's not a Hall of Famer. I will oh, I take that back. There is one guy that is not a Hall of Fame. <laughs> mm-hmm. and our victor picked him, but dear God, did he have a hell of a season that year? So oh, he did. So as far as who was in this was our collective group here of Jaybird watching plus Michael Paul. We also had the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays, Zach Helton, who is a recurring a uh, guest on our show. My brother and my father, Jim and Kevin Borden, and then. We also had uh, Johnny Junta of the officially unofficial podcast, (laughs) (laughs) and he unofficially, unfortunately, wasn't able to join us during the whole draft, but he put the heck of a a pretty good team after the fact, guys, here, and there was a couple surprise picks in there that I was shocked about, but good stuff, but... um, The first pick in the draft by Zach Helton was Ken Griffey Jr. for the year 1997, Larry Walker was then picked by Michael Paul, our eventual Canadian. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And he picks 1997 for him as well. That was such a good year. It was an insanely good year. And it wasn't even the course course field effect with him. I just think that's purely Larry Walker. Mm -hmm. So then my dad picked Aroid is how he put it on the draft sheet. We all know (laughs) he's talking of Alex Rodriguez, which is pre-craziness to the most part. In 1998, he was actually with the Seattle Mariners still. And we had Barry Bonds from 93, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire from 98, Cal Ripken from 91, and then Roger Clemens of 97, guys, to bookend the first round of picks. That is literally the stuff of freaking dreams. And I take that back with the whole Hall of Famer thing because I forgot, you know, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa are obviously not in, but they're right. on the ballot right. still was why I was yeah. thinking that. So those – the. But 98 and 90, or 98 with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, how do you go wrong picking guys that hit over 66 home runs? <laughs> yeah. I think Adam Corsair might have had one of the sneakier picks, though, picking Cal Ripken of 1991 in his first pick. You have to. Right? Like, I, first of all, I was so pissed when Griffey was taken, but of, cur- of course he's taken first. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, all the reasons I already espoused when we were talking about the 90s, but. You know, anytime I play fantasy baseball, if it's not like one of those obvious picks, I always hunt a shortstop first because for me, it's like one of the hardest positions to fill. So I was looking at this like a fantasy baseball draft. I probably shouldn't have, but, you know, given the fact that I finished second to last, but still like (laughs) Ripken's a legend, man. Like how could 
come on. Like, in the 90s, he was one of those guys for the Orioles. Actually, he was probably, like, one of the only good things about the Orioles during that time. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, it was a great year for Ripken, and he's a legend. So, I obviously, I wanted him to be on my squad. I was very close to picking Pedro. And I was like, maybe I can get him on the turn. But then, Craig, of course you scoop him up. <laughs> I basically round. won the pitching stats on the two picks I yes. made on the bookend alone with Pretty Roger much. Clemens yes. of 1997. And I picked on the – because we did this in a style of a snake draft. So yes. first to eight, then then eighth team to back to one. So I got, I bookended this at the first round with Roger Clemens and then started the following second round off with Pedro Martinez of 1999 <laughs> oh yeah i was like son of a bitch oh. but i was like you know what i'll just go i'll go for randy johnson he killed the bird so he's, he's got to be on my team so <laughs> so the best part about that whole thing is i sucked for everything but k's era and whip in pitching and i f- completely fucked up saves during this draft <laughs> and I was, yeah. how did i not win wins <laughs> <laughs> How? Didn't both those guys have 20-game win seasons? I think that just attests to show you how hard this ended up being. And, guys, like I, later in these drafts, like we, we were talking about, some of these names that came up, like, mm-hmm. I, I, it was crazy. And it was fun at the same time. But I was just like, oh, my God, I'm starting to run out of guys. Who the hell did really, really well? <laughs> but, you, you know what I liked a lot when you're going through some of the positions, especially shortstop, where – you saw the progression of the shortstop position change from the beginning mm-hmm. of the decade when mm-hmm. there was no power there towards the end of the decade when you started to get the Nomars of the world. Yeah, I'm not touting that pick on my guy. I did get Nomar in a season where he hit 35 dingers. But, I mean, when you're going through, and Mike, you made the pick of Travis Fryman, and his 22 home runs back in 90, uh, what year he got, 93, that yeah. was like tops for shortstops for a long time, and he was kind of, a little bit ahead of the curve with the power from the shortstop position so early in the decade. Yeah, let's put the put, put the perspective on that for everybody. The shortstops are picked amongst our eight teams. Well, like I mentioned, Cal Ripken for 1991, Derek Jeter for 1999, Barry Larkin in 96. That was the year after he won the MVP award. Yes, he had a better season after he won the MVP <laughs> award in 1996. Travis Fryman in 93, A-Rod in 98, Omar Vizquel for 1999. We had a sneak of Jeff Blauser's only good season in 1993. <laughs> and then Nomar Garcia-Para. Guys, th- th- those were all guys that were at the top of the, their game in, 90, in the 90s. And that is very, very weighted, as Brendan was just pointing toward, toward the after the 95 season. Travis Fryman and Jeff Blauser being the quote-unquote prototype shortstop for the mm-hmm. beginning of the decade. And it just shows you what the A-Rod situation and all that kind of stuff really did for the position of all those, what became the generation of shortstops really moving along there. You went from that shift of Cal Ripken-like players that was the one guy that really had the pop at the position to Cal Ripken being the model for the future. I think what shocked me the most was that Omar Cal actually had a good offensive season. <laughs> he had a really high war season that year too and yeah, you would think a lot of that was for his defense but he batted 333 yeah with 66 rbis and uh 42 stolen bases so yes it was a little weighted what i would say toward the old school shortstop in 99 but right. <laughs> wow guys that's still yeah give me that right now i don't even care i know boba shett's gonna do better on the offensive side and that's still do very good but that is 
this stuff of normal dreams for a shortstop. Oh. <laughs> and more, walk, more walks than strikeouts. Yeah, what, when does that happen? That is <laughs> right? so impressive. Whenever you can get a hitter with more walks than strikeouts, you know you got a hell of an eye to play. And so, that was good about Jose Bautista through some of those years where he was walking more than he struck out. It's just incredible. I just want to blow all your brains right now because Tony Gwynn, in the year my dad picked him in the following round, in the second round, he picked him for the year of 1997. Oh, he, no. <laughs> he only struck out 20 t- 28 times, walked That's 43 insane. times in 143 games. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> that doesn't there, there I say, that's Williams Acidio esque. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that, imagine a player doing that now. They're going to be like, well, why are you swinging at everything? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, to me, that's waiting for your pitch, and which is one of the reasons why John Olrood was the weird first baseman in this draft where you're looking at all the stats here. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam. Didn't you have Olrude? Yeah, and I'm surprised. I picked him in the fourth round. I'm surprised that he went that late, seeing as though like this is sort of like a Blue Jays-esque draft. I was like, I, I'm going to sit on him because, like I said, I wanted Ripken, and then I wanted a pitcher, so you stole Pedro from me, so I, I went Randy Johnson. <laughs> then I was yeah. thinking, like, what's the, what's the best DH of all time? And I, I have to go Edgar here for the 90s. And then I'm like, I'm surprised I was able to get Johnny O on the turn in the fourth round. Like, well, two uh, a pick after the turn. Because, like, you know, Blue Jays fans, you figure they'd want to scoop him up quick. And, you know, he was obviously a legend in Blue Jays lore. So I'm just happy I got him in the fourth round. But, yeah, he was he was my guy. Not to mention one of the best offensive seasons in baseball compared yeah. to Ted Williams, of all people, for 90% yeah. of that season. So to put that in perspective, you're the guy that was on the turn. I took your principle of I need to fill out positions, and catchers suck. They yes. always suck. <laughs> it doesn't matter what <laughs> catcher you have. In fantasy baseball, that is typically your worst position, right? So I took Mike Piazza in 1997 right after I took Roberto Alomar, second base, also being a notoriously low-ended position. And I'm sorry to say, Blue Jays fans, I didn't take a Blue Jay year for Roberto Alomar. I took the year he absolutely raked in Cleveland in 1999. <laughs> so. Yeah, but still, you, you took the catcher of the 90s. Correct. Yeah. So, like, you know, speaking of catchers, Mike, like, I don't want to, like, go off too much, but I was very surprised that you picked a catcher for your last pick. Well, okay, so the reason for that is that every time I was going to target a catcher, it got picked right Scoops. like yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and so, no offense mike lieberthal ain't a bad pick at 99 he had a great year yeah, yeah he had a good year he had that one really good year so <laughs> i was looking through the list and it was like okay it was either lieberthal or chris hoyles at this point because i think 94 <laughs> or 95 chris hoyles was like really good 95 chris hoyles had 30 home runs i think yeah okay that was good yeah so it was like one or the other and i thought okay the brady well, anderson year everybody was sitting in that line <laughs> yeah that's right so I just it just kind of ended up happening or happening by uh, by chance, I guess. There you go. So if you guys are looking through this on your rosters, who was your favorite random pick that you were like, "Oh my god, where did I get that guy from?" <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at Adam Corsairs, and I have an idea who he was thinking. Wow, I pulled that one out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Jose! Thinking, I'm either thinking Jose Mesa or yes. Randy Velarde. It was Jose. Like I, I, I needed a closer. I was like, damn, he had a good season. Like in '95, I was, and I remember you texting me after you were like, 
you just stole him from me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> goddamn right I did. Like, well, he had a solid season. I mean, 46 saves? Come on. Yeah. Who did I steal from you earlier in the draft that you were flaming about? Oh, let me see. Yeah, there I, was I remember... another one. I can't remember. Because you just, I remember oh. I texted you and he goes, Oh, hey, Andrew, Jones. Andrew, Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, but yeah, your pick of Vlad Guerrero Jr. or Vlad Guerrero Sr. Yeah. Can't tell what I'm my, my mentality wise right now. Vlad <laughs> Guerrero uh, Sr. I, I, after I, Andrew <laughs> Jones. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Adam, yeah. that was totally going to be my pick right before you stole him because I, <laughs> I think I took Dante. But... I took Dante Bichette right there. I'm like, oh, I wonder if people are catching on because I took DG, Craig Bezio before. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm, I got two of the three dads <laughs> of the current drop. Let's just see if Vlad can sneak back around to me when I get through. But uh, no, I only got I got Dante, which I was very happy about. But it makes you realize, yeah, Bo Bichette's talent uh, comes from his dad. And Dante Bichette was a damn good player when he was yeah. playing in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, so if we want to dive into Michael Paul's, uh, you know, 90, 90s drafts, mentality here. He just went, basically oh. picked anybody that played in Coors Field. <laughs> yes, I think <laughs> <laughs> so he took like four or five Rockies. Uh, you have but... the Blake Street Bombers in Ellis Burks, Vinny Castilla, Andres Galarraga, <laughs> and Larry Walker. Walker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, my sneakiest pick was Ellis Burks because that, that was a second round pick. And I mean, that season in 96 was absurd. Uh, 40 home runs, 32 stolen bases. He had 344 with a 408 on, on base percentage. Like, I mean, career year by far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was it was just a you know he he had like an amazing season that year. So yeah, I was happy with that. So fellas, looking at the draft board collectively here, was there any random names that you were like, holy shit, really that guy? You know, like when I was looking through these the list afterwards, I like I was like, Oh wow, I don't remember him even having a good year and then I was like, Okay, wow, that really was a good year. Like Zach Helton picked Steve Avery in nineteen ninety three. I completely forgot how good Steve Avery was for the Braves because he gets lost in the shuffle between Glavin, Maddox, and Smoltz. Yeah. So is there anybody like that that stuck out to you in the midst of this draft? that was just like a shock and awe kind of thing all of a sudden Let me take a look here um other than apparently omar Vizquel actually having an offensive year freak out <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that like it threw me a little bit off guard um not so much a surprise just i i was very reluctant to do it but i needed a third baseman so i i was looking at john valentin and i was like i guess i'll pick a red Sox. and it wasn't like a bad year <laughs> but it wasn't a great year i think he was on like the mcdonald's baseball when they sold it that year yeah uh but otherwise no not really like the, uh, these names like names that you just forgot about like i'm looking through the roster i'm like oh why didn't i pick jay buner like, why didn't I do that? <laughs> like, and this is after the fact. Insane. Yeah, this is like these are the leftovers that Johnny drafted. I'm just like, oh, why didn't I just pick Jay Buter? And you know, shame on me. But you know, otherwise, <laughs> no. I thought one of the sneakier picks was my brother picking Gary Sheffield for the 1992 season and sneaking him in as a third baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Nobody thinks of Gary Sheffield for that year. Gary pick. <laughs> Gary Sheffield's an MVP in the Marlins. I always figured Gary Sheffield was a third baseman at one point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, well, that's there. It is. Boom. You know, you think of like the all the other third basemen we have on this this list is everybody like from, you know, Chipper Jones to Scott Brocious, and then all of a sudden there's Gary Sheffield. 
<laughs> so uh, just going back to John Valentin for a second, I yeah. just want to, you know, full disclosure, before the Travis Fryman picked, uh, I made in the 14th round, I was eyeing up John Valentin 95 as a shortstop there you for go. that round. Yeah. And Adam stole him from me. Yes. <laughs> I was just looking like, at his stats. Yeah, I was looking, I was like, Fuck! I already picked a shortstop, and yeah. I'm like, so now I have to deal with third baseman John Valentin. I was like, ah, whatever, throw it up there. This I already trashed this. So, <laughs> yeah, you so trashed it. These stats were so freaking close because we all had all star teams. <laughs> so, just to put that in perspective, everybody in the league had a batting average over 300. <laughs> the lowest yeah, run crazy. scored total was 868 for this team. Mind you, this was only nine offensive hitters, guys. So this is a lot of offense <laughs> already in those couple of categories. Uh, Johnny Janta had 218 home runs with the lowest home run total. Nope. Oh, nope, I take that back. Mr. Corsair with a 211. I missed that. Yep. And then we had... 853 RBIs with you as well. But then this is the thing that, and this is the forgotten era of, of that part of baseball, guys. Stolen bases. Yeah. 130. I had the lowest stolen base total in the whole league on this thing. And Dude, I had some them. guys that really steal some bases. And Alomar, Jeter at that time was still stealing some bases. I had Andrew Jones on my team. <laughs> you would think I would have leveled out decently on that. But. Look at Zach Helton here with yeah. 250 oh, stolen bases because he has Ricky Henderson, <laughs> who ends up stealing, uh, God, 65 stolen bases that year. Ridiculous. He had Chuck Knobloch that stole 45, Barry Larkin with 36. And then get this, just for good measure, he takes 1991 Jose Canseco, who steals 26. 26, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the fact that Jason Kendall, as a catcher, stole 26 oh, bases Jason in Kendall 1998. Jason Kendall was the best-stealing uh, catcher of all time, basically, in my opinion. Yeah. Until his uh, unfortunate incident with his shin, he was a, had crazy legs. And I think that was what wrecked his career, honestly. But but those are the kind of things, boys, that it, in today's game, who frick steals bases anymore? That's You're talking true. about being able to piece together a team here with a couple, bunch of guys that steal 20 bases and you have a whole other category of offensive prowess that makes this total sheet look a lot more lopsided all of a sudden. It's, it's just <laughs> funny to see now how, I mean, how few 2020 players there are in today's game. Yeah. Compared, yeah. You know, back in the 90s or even the uh, early 2000s for that matter. Yeah. Mm. I um, One of my last articles, I either wrote this for South of the Six or Jay's Journal was the missed part of the game and if the Blue Jays could tap into this they could really catch everybody off guard like almost like the bullpen philosophy for the Royals in 2015 or the Rays the year they made it to the World Series were really built on offense and actually about just being smart base runners. This right. could be the whole difference in the world for offense and that really threw a uh, wrench into this adding that really pushes Zach Helton up even to where he finished it in this whole thing because he couldn't find a ton of offense, so he started blitzing sh- stolen bases and wins the category handily. <laughs> so but that's how fantasy baseball works. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It, it was uh, it's a nice little blast from the past seeing all these names. and like I especially, like sort of off-topic, not really. I love the team names. Like the team yeah, names, I was just, this, that. this is perfect, <laughs> perfect. So go ahead and start us off, Pop-Tart. 
Yeah. So like, all right. So there's backstory to this. So, um, I figured first of all, to be, otherwise, where does that come from? Right. So if my team names is nineties pop tarts and, um, here in Rhode Island, there's a, there's a gourmet donut shop called PV donuts. So like PVD is the, the code for Rhode Island. Like when you land your plane in Rhode Island, you go to the PVD airport, right? PVD. Um, and they have a nineties month every March, every March they produce nineties uh, donuts. If you go to their Instagram PVD donuts or um, their website, pvdonuts.com, I'm, I'm giving free plugs here, but if you check out their donuts, they're huge. They're ginormous and they have a nineties month and there's a wild berry pop tart and it tastes <laughs> and looks just like a wild berry pop tart. They have a Dunkaroo donut. They have like the, the oatmeal. The 90s, yeah, dude, Dunkaroo donut. They have, um, the 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 oatmeal cookie cakes i forget who, i think they're little debbie cakes the little cookie oh dude Ooh, you yeah. yeah dude it tastes just cinnamon toast crunch everything and the 90s pop tart is my favorite one so that's why i called my team the 90s pop tart there you go can you so, send some of those up this way right, <laughs> i'm drooling i hate and i just crushed three pieces of pizza before i started drinking jameson <laughs> so brennan give us your uh your late pick name here because um yeah it fits actually <laughs> <laughs> no more. i honestly just didn't think of anything clever so i'm just like yeah hey, what the hell yeah picks uh, 1995 hideo nomo in the 12th round and then you know what no mode yep <laughs> so the only speaking <laughs> of like... 90s nonsense the only thing when you wrote that in all of a sudden all that kept popping into my head was that uh phil collins song <laughs> i don't care no more Yep. <laughs> no more. <laughs> That's all that popped into my head, and I'm like, okay, that works. <laughs> Mr. Paul, eventual champion, you, I'm exact opposite of what your team name is, just saying, because apparently you thought this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't. I just, I, you know, like 10 minutes before we got on, I was just like, okay, what do I do? Like, I, I haven't, you know, I have no idea. I just thought, okay, fan graphs. Gonna bring up their leaderboards. I'm gonna sort it like 1990 to 1999. Boom, uh, and that was it. So I was just like, uh, clearly rushed. <laughs> My team name. It worked so, out. Clearly it did. rushed to victory. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. just to put out the other names here, Zach Helton, who is in the Appy League all day, every day, being the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays. Um, honestly, if this is not a beer name down where he's at, I'm very upset because right. somebody's missing an opportunity here as there should be a brew called the Appalachia's Finest, <laughs> which is his team name and very fitting of the man that joins us here on this show regularly. <laughs> so, and then my dad being growing up with me, or well, not growing up, but with me growing up and everything, watching every Adam Sandler movie on the face of the planet names his team Mutants at Table Nine. Mm-hmm. My brother continuing the 90s trend of ripping off names from Rookie of the Year, of all things, going Henry <laughs> Ruinfer, because the coach could never get his name right. And... <laughs> Except for the last game. Last yeah. game he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, please, for the love of God. <laughs> He's begging the kid. <laughs> and then me, I, uh, my fantasy baseball team actually all through the 90s, well, the late 90s, I'll say. Um, <laughs> running, riding around the neighborhood doing this stuff on my bike with uh, Microsoft Excel on the giant Macintosh computer <laughs> in my parents' house. Um, 
I follow the steroid era, fellas, and I just went muscle milk. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> just put it right to my veins. Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, is there anything else you guys would like to add to this wonderful conversation of what ended up being a very fun day for us? Because this took a, a while. This was two and a half, three hours worth of our time going back and forth, but it was fun. I had a great time, especially rediscovering players like Todd Hundley of the, of the New York Mets. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so does anybody want to add anything here to the end of the conversation before we put a bookmark in the era of the 90s uh, just finding out that Romo Martinez existed you know that was pre-Pedro <laughs> <laughs> pre Ramon Martinez had one of the best pitching years ever really yeah. I, I remember looking that up before this because one of the things I did fellas for prep for this whole thing was I actually literally typed in best seasons by war into Google, and there were a lot of guys from the 90s that made it to that list, and one of them, funny enough, was one of the, my late picks in Bernard Gilkey, or as Chris Berman Ooh. always put it, Bernard Innocent Until Proven Gilkey. <laughs> that was the other thing I noticed, I don't know if you guys know, is that all the random nicknames from ESPN back in the day that are all over this list. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not talking little ones like the big cat for Andres Galarraga, but um, shoot, where are some of the other ones? There were some few really good ones here. Like I, I remember Chuck Beep Beep, You Can Drive My Car. <laughs> was one that uh, Chris Berman used to always say on Baseball Tonight. Is there yeah. any other weird, weird ones like that that popped out to anybody during this list? Uh, not offhand, but I think for me, I just want to say, best pick of the entire draft was uh, your brother Kevin taking Manny Ramirez 99 in, in round four yeah. that was killer killer like, <laughs> holy that was, that was an amazing <laughs> and I didn't even notice it at the time uh, until I tried to pick him later on like the fifth round <laughs> was like, oh, how is he like, free oh he's not <laughs> yeah he's not yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, but yeah, there were some sneaky names in there, and then we got the like one insane good season from Dwayne Ward. It was one of the closers. Rod Beck, you had Mike, uh, Brendan, you had a couple of good picks with Reggie Reggie Sanders and Brent, Bernie Williams in the late rounds. Everybody forgets that Tino Martinez was amazing with the Yankees in '97. So there was a lot of really, really good picks on this list, guys. And we're going to post the list after here so everybody can see the random fun that we had. And we're going to, you know, just let hopefully you guys will join the conversation. And then maybe we need to do one of these eventually, even if it's the same decade again with more people involved. Maybe get a few fans. Absolutely. It'll be some fun. I am very down. Reasons to join the random random barroom chat. Go ahead. There are three guys that I drafted that I just had never heard of before. I was just so like, <laughs> holy shit, these seasons are insane. Like, the last two closers I got, I've obviously heard of John Wetland because he was on the Expos and he believed the Yankees for a little while. But well, then he Jack made some McCall, headlines later that <laughs> yeah, were kind of for true. super creepy reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Jack McDowell is one of them who had an incredible year in 93 with 22 wins. Uh, yeah. And ten complete games and four He's shutouts. A thorn in the Blue Jays' side what? in the ALCS. Look at Roy Halladay over there, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and then my other two closers, I took Lee Smith at 47 saves in 91, and then Jeff Brantley, I think he was my last pick, with 44 saves. Yeah. I remember going through and looking at Brantley's page, and it looks like he just kind of had one of those random years where he just became a closer out of nowhere and went, ran with it. Because I was really his only one good year actually closing games for the Reds 
back in the 90s. So I, those three guys, I had no idea who they were, never heard of them before, but they were had some pretty damn good years, so I had to take them. Yeah, so I think we got to mention here, there was actually, a, well, we the reason we chose the 90s was because the Blue Jays, uh, you know, Sportsnet feed has basically been doing nothing but bombard us with the glory days, and right. they started off with the early, the early 90s there, and I was like, okay, well, we got to do the 90s. Mm-hmm. And there was a plenty of Blue Jays that had made this list, and ex-Blue Jays and so on and so forth. You know, in the first few rounds alone, we had Roberto Alomar, John Olrude, um, David Cohn from a different year, um, things like that. And then we also had, I'm, I'm just cycling through, we had a Mark Icorn sighting of 1994, which I thought was kind of crazy. <laughs> Dwayne Ward, um, eventual Blue Jay, Jose Canseco. Yes, people remember yes. that he is was a Blue Jay, and I yes, was actually was. very butthurt about having to pick 1997 <laughs> Roger Clemens for my mm-hmm. first pick. Jimmy Key, the year after he was actually picked for the 1993 season, after he had left the Blue Jays to unfortunately go to the uh, the Evil Empire. <laughs> Carlos Delgado, I was able to sweep in and steal. Everybody forgets that he had an insanely good year in 1999. The batting average just was not quite where you picture Carlos Delgado for his normal parts of his career. We had David Wells, Fred McGriff, Dave Stewart, Cecil Fielder in his post-Japan comeback. And, yeah, there was just a lot of good Blue Jays on this list, guys. And Juan Guzman being one of the better late-round picks by my brother, of all people. And then... Jeff Kent was one of the late picks who was traded for the Blue Jays for David Cohn. So it was good to see a lot of Blue Jays on this. And I actually missed one, Sean Green, 99. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, what do you guys think? I love this idea, man. If we can if we can explore the the 2000s just to see what that oh. would be. Like I, said, I, I think that's a – look, the 90s for me is a golden age of baseball, but the 2000s – Obviously, because that's where I really became into my adulthood as a as a fan. Um, I think that'd be really really fun to explore, and I think like you're gonna see, as you said, like incrementally those steel numbers sort of drop down and the power numbers shoot up. Mm-hmm. And I think you're gonna see a lot of people like starting pitching. Obviously, is still very valuable during this time, and so is uh, some closers too. But uh, other than Rivera, I don't know who else. But like, when well, that was the other to... thing in the '90s. You got to think the early part of the '90s. The closer was still a forming position. Yes. So yes. There, it was still closer by committee for a lot of those points. Like in '92, Dwayne Ward pitched just as many games as Hanky did. You know, it's mm-hmm. just who was actually picking the saves up. You know, it was Hank. <laughs> so. But yeah, yeah. If we can shoot up the two the two thousands, if you want to, if you want to redo the nineties, I'm totally down. But if you want to do another one with the two thousands, I'm in. No, I think we do the two thousands yeah, like eventually. If we have like to, to circle back, <laughs> I'd like to do a decade where I was actually a fan and was interested in baseball <laughs> <laughs> and old enough. <laughs> I forgot that, guys. I haven't even said how, where. Other than I, uh, you know, our, you know, the guy that's the king here that came on to gloat because that was the championship prize for this whole thing with Mike winning it. I forgot to say where all the rest of us finished. <laughs> oh yeah. So as mentioned, our radio scout here, who was clearly rushed, Mike Paul, finishes in first place, and then in second, my brother, Mister Henry Ruinfer, and in Penicar, apparently in his infinite baseball research, just misses and pitches in the third place. I brought my muscle milk for for number four. My dad, the Mutants at Table 9, wins number 5 on the spot. 
and Zach Helton, Appalachia's finest. I hope it really does become a brew, even if Zach Helton himself has to make it. <laughs> and then Mr. Corsair comes in seventh, along with Johnny Junta of the officially unofficial podcast, rounded out in eighth place. So, but fellas, I can't really say it got much closer than it really did because in a lot of these categories, everybody's really missing things just by a couple of runs, a few homers. Missing a couple steals, or yeah, exactly. The, the first place position in wins, for example, was my dad with a hundred. Oh, I'm sorry, I take that back. Why is this? No, oh, it's Mike. Okay, with 119 wins, and the last place team in that category had 91 wins. So that's tw- 90. No, it's barely anything different. So right. that's what happens when you have nothing but all-stars. But that just shows how critical each pick in this draft was and making sure you got the right stuff. So very cool. And I'm glad that we all got to do this. So Yeah, it was a blast. Loved it. Anyways, does anybody want to put a bookend on the 90s here before we eventually come back to the reality of where baseball should be right now and Boba <laughs> playing baseball online? <laughs> uh, not for the 90s so much, but for the double O's, I'm, I'm really curious to see how uh, how high up Alfonso Soriano's 2006 season gets taken. Because um, it was like a 40-40 year for him, I think. And right, yeah. Jim Edmonds' like, plethora of really good seasons as well. That guy's super underrated. I want to see how uh, how high any of his seasons get taken, yeah. or you know the highest one. Yeah, but. especially when he's mostly known for his ridiculous catching skills. But don't forget, yeah. Jim Edmonds guys was a perennial thirty home run guy throughout right. the whole you know tenure of his baseball career. So that'd be very interesting to see, and that's what we made this so much fun. I really want to see the fans' feedback on this draft board that we have here, and see what everybody thinks i think it came out really cool and i think there's gonna be some surprises on here for everybody going oh my god really (laughs) oh yeah so all right well fellas i next week we are back again and brendan panikar you want to give the preview for next week's show seeing you're hosting we're going all bracket, baby. We're just going to cover the, give a little preview to the Elite Eight or where the Final Four, wherever we sit at. And who knows, maybe I'll come up with something else to make it like a two parter conversation and not just focus on the bracket. But uh, time will tell what that second conversation will be all about. But yeah, looking forward to seeing some more results. Keep on voting away, everybody, and chime in the conversation. We've gotten a few more people starting to reply to it and drum up some interest in, in talking about it. And I think that's one thing that's kind of missing from all the fun is getting people's opinions and asking what the hell why is kevin Pilar seated third or or just some i don't know people just start a conversation why isn't milky getting more votes yes (laughs) (laughs) so all right mike paul you want to tell me what's going on in your world as the radio scout these days so we haven't uh recorded in like four weeks now but uh oh you guys are in full isolation huh oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's been a little bit. Um, we have a couple of uh, like shelved episodes that considering releasing at this point just for kicks. Uh, so that might be coming up pretty soon. But uh, otherwise, I mean, I think we actually like really need to record something pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, at least Alan and I will probably record something. Uh, he wanted to record last week and it didn't happen. So I think I'll reach out to him this weekend and just say like, hey, let's you know let's record something because I mean, I don't want our fans like our listeners to to forget about us so 
you know, that needs to happen. Boba um, next game, you guys do a live broadcast. Ooh, there we go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's a good idea because that's not even legal. <laughs> what are friends for? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't know where we're at right now, but we're definitely going to record and, you know, when baseball is happening again for sure. But in the meantime, we need to figure something out. So, yeah. Corsair, I think you haven't gotten a rant in during this whole thing. I feel like you got to get something going. <laughs> Before I have no that. rant. Uh, <laughs> I'm just right now. We're recording this Friday night, so I'm I'm waiting on that Buffalo Bills pick. See what they do. Um, we looks like the best first round pick, though. Just saying. They did. Well, they best. Steph- <laughs> yes. <laughs> he doesn't Can't get any hate better. That's what I'm saying. So hopefully they draft his brother just to keep him happy and to keep him there. Plus, I cornerbacks always a good position to fill. We always need that. But you know, going back to what's going on with me, nothing. Uh, they, South of the Six podcast covering the Raptors is still a weekly thing. There's not much to cover, but I'll I'll think of something. I, I'm still delivering content on that end. So if you want to get your NBA um, fix in, you can find me there at South of the Six. Uh, my wife and I do a podcast while she's napping. We talk about general everyday life, and it's been seriously a blast. I love doing it, and it's brought us closer together. So if you want to hear me talk about things unsports-related, you can find that at While She's Napping. And guys, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Well, you're a part Actually, of this thing now. Oh, that's true. I'm part of the team. It's, it's <laughs> in the Twitter bio. You've been drafted. Listen, listen it's Are in you? the Twitter bio, okay? It's, it says co-host of bird-watching GC podcast in the Twitter bio. Damn, I, I thought official. you were dropping us, man. No, I'm just so used to thanking you guys. So, he was like, going to you know, turn in his jersey. <laughs> fine, I'm, so, I'm not going to thank you anymore. That's it. No more. Yeah, no more thanks. <laughs> no more. No more. No mo. <laughs> no mo. <laughs> so Blue Jays fans, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at BirdWatchingGC. We are going to have plenty more voting for you for the bracket. We will have a wonderful show, I'm not sure, next week so we can talk about the eventual going forward for the Elite Eight and into the Final Four for the bracket. And the wonderful team will always be here to answer all of your Blue Jay fandom and let's talk 90s and keep this conversation going too we will be posting the draft board with the show so you can find it on our Twitter feed just like the bracket that Brendan has been doing such a diligent job of updating with his buddy and until then everybody get us where you find every, wherever you find your podcasting pleasures on, Twi- on uh, Spotify iTunes Google whatever it might be and fellas I want to figure out a fun way to say this at the end, but I, I guess no mo would be mo- well, the show is no mo. <laughs> <laughs> no mo. <laughs> so other than that, fellas, let's go Blue Jays like always. Let's, let's go, go Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. Blue Jays. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.